Hey, one more thing before you go. Are we alone in the universe? Do you believe in extraterrestrial life? What do you do if you experience a UFO or an incident of the paranormal? Who do you report it to? Stay tuned. We're going to answer these questions and more when we have an individual on the show who aims to bridge the gap between the UFO, paranormal, and psychogenic communities, which we'll talk about, to collect data to assist in helping experiencers understand why they've experienced unusual and unexplained phenomena. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. Hey, real quick note, if you're a fan of One More Thing Before You Go, please remember to subscribe, follow, and share it with your friends. My guest in this episode is Ryan Stacy. He's a private investigator and author, a citizen journalist, and an active Canadian ufologist in the Canadian disclosure movement. He's also a paranormal psychogenic investigator as well. We're going to explain all that. As the for He's also the former national chief investigator for MUFON Canada and the director of field investigator training for MUFON National USA. He's the creator of the Ultra Spectrum Classification System, and the founder of the Experiencer Support Association named TESSA, and the Director of Investigations. Stacy identifies as a phenomenologist. Stacy aims to bridge the gap between the UFO, paranormal, and psychogenic communities to collect that data to assist helping experiencers understand why they're having that experience. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What uh, an amazing uh, life that you've got. You are very diverse in, in everything that you do. And we have some. I, know, I, I, I don't hear that uh, explanation very often. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to it and I'm like, I wish there was like one word that could kind of sum it all. And that's why uh, I identify as a phenomenologist, because that is, I'm someone who under, who studies the phenomenon and how it affects the people. But it's you need those buzzwords in there to to approach all these all these different factions uh my belief is it's all connected um but how do i tell the ufo people i do paranormal how do i do paranormal i do ufo like that's that's just been a marketing challenge on my part but i would prefer to be like this is ryan stacy you know who he is but we're not there yet we're not there yeah, yet. yeah that would be <laughs> that would be great <laughs> uh ryan stacy here's my card call me <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I uh, I know that you've got a you've got a well, like I said, you said a phenomenal background and and everything that you do from a private investigator on through investigating paranormal experiences and, and ufology and things like this. But I kind of like to back up just a little bit and kind of find out where it started. Where did you grow up? Oh, of course, you're gonna ask personal questions on the, uh, on on a recording here. So uh, I'll be mindful of my area so i i'm i grew up in a small town in ontario um north a few hours north of toronto um from there i guess well how far do you want me to go am i go whole life I, you, you, yeah yeah i mean i know did you go to college university yeah so i went to i went to college in peterborough so for police foundations police studies i had an interest in uh, a huge interest in becoming a police officer 
Um, while I did that, I worked part-time as a cook and a private security and, and private investigator. So I've been an investigator since 2009. I've been a security guard since 2005. Um, I had always pursued a career in law enforcement. Uh, I passed all the testings. I applied to all the regional stuff. I just unfortunately wasn't uh, didn't fit the demographics at the time, didn't get in. But at the same time, working in the private sector and having the same credentials and the same knowledge uh, in terms to get in for policing, I realized that I could just start my own uh, private investigating a security company. And uh, we're now in our eighth year uh, and we're indexed around community policing as a security company. Uh, and I'm very busy doing uh, private investigations for my community around the area, too. That's fantastic. And I think, and, I, and thank you for, for your, um, your interest in law enforcement as we spoke about before we started. You know, as everybody knows, I'm a retired sergeant, so I respect you for what you, you've contributed. Uh, at the same time, I, I envy you a little bit because you, know, you have more freedom as a private eye. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I, I speak to um, a lot of police officers. Uh, that in some of these social meetings that I have and they leave the force and they want to be a PI but when they 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 but for me not actually knowing what it was like to be the police uh, before becoming a PI I don't have this kind of like PI should be easier and laxed I have this approach where I'm trying to be equal to uh, you know, or coincide with the police. So, so my, my emphasis on uh, investigation is elevated because I don't have, I never had that experience to work with right. the government. I didn't have those restrictions. I investigate police officers too, because, you know, their end of the day, they're people, um, they go through divorce, they cheat, they do those things, you know, small town, I know a lot about everybody. And, and if I, looking back, um, and I've never talked about it uh, to this respect before, but uh, I think it's probably the best thing for me is uh, I'm free, as you said. I'm free to help, but I understand. I understand law enforcement too, right? So a lot of, a lot of my work, especially in the PI part, is to explain how the judicial system works, to explain how the police work, to kind of balance the emotions of the client, to let them know that, yeah, I can investigate this, but the police are right, the courts are right, and there's nothing more that I can do for you. Well, Where you some for private investigation firms are like, yeah, I'll take your money and then wait. And then, yeah, we can't find anything. And then they're still upset and they're mad. So I'm, I'm actively involved in changing the world, but through privately, I guess. Well, I, I appreciate know. that. As a law enforcement officer, I appreciate that because, you know, that, that um, communication between us in the community isn't always that great, as you know. So being able to help those people understand and your clients understand, have a better uh, perspective going into it uh, is very helpful all the way around, including to the law enforcement community. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. How'd you get started in, um, in ufology and phenomena and uh, the paranormal? Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the sidebar is, uh, you know, so I've always been a paranormal investigator. I've always been interested in, in, in ghosts and, um, and the paranormal, that's, that's been my thing. But that was like, while I was growing up becoming, you know, working as a cook, working as security, going to college, trying to figure out my life, all these other things. So I always had an interest. So when it got to the point of my life where I made my own company, 
uh, for investigations. Um, I, I guess I got involved with a client that believed their, um, their son was abducted by aliens. So just starting the, the business, I took the retainer and then I offered to do a locate, try to just locate the person. So I didn't think they were abducted by aliens. I just kind of need to find this person to prove that. So I ended up finding the person. Turns out that they joined Scientology. So it's somewhere in this spectrum of things, but not closely related to aliens unless somehow Scientology is involved with that. But I have no evidence to prove that at this point. But it, it got that's kind of how I got introduced to that. But in doing that, I had to join all these social groups, all these Facebook things and all this other stuff until the person surfaced so I had leads to follow and I stayed in those groups afterwards because I didn't join the conversation and then eventually someone else had piped up and said uh, believe that they were a victim of a, of a fraud or a theft because they purchased a manual um, and they didn't get it in time so I piped up and said I'm an investigator I can help you know because I'm still looking for clients as a new business so it's something I was doing in my marketing um, and then that led me to learn that this manual that they wanted to purchase was from MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. It was a Canadian person. But so that led me to an investigation to be introduced to MUFON, which I was familiar with, with the X-Files and all this other stuff growing up as a kid. Um, then I learned that there was a Canadian division, which I didn't know. So then I got a hold of the Canadian guy to find out that this was just a shipping uh, shipping delay because the money goes to the states and then the states has to ship the book and then all these other things. So the guy was just disgruntled. So that's how I got in. And then from there, Stu Bundy is the name of the director at the time. He's like, so you're a PI and you do this for real? I was like, yeah. And he's like, what do you think about UFOs? And I, I said, uh, aren't those government machines? And we had a laugh and I still think that today. Um, and then from there, he asked me uh, if I would consider becoming uh, a field investigator. And I said, well, I don't want to pay any money into it. So he gave me the book for free. I ripped through it in like a day. I was supposed to take a month. It was like a primitive kind of uh, thing, especially being fresh out of college and all that other stuff. So it was really easy for me. And then I started as a field investigator for MUFON. I got my first case, which was supposed to be a closed case because it was what they considered historical. I took that as an opportunity to show my skills, if you will, and I, I you know, reactivated this cold case, for lack of a better term, and was able to contact the witness in the location, and I ended up uh, doing a site visit, and then I did a big enough report that MUFON headquarters got a hold of. They published that case in their MUFON journal, and then throughout my career, I became the chief investigator for MUFON Canada. Uh, and then I was the director of field investigator training, so I was responsible for teaching everybody inside uh, MUFON National at the time um, how to investigate UFOs. Um, and then I also spent some time with the um, uh, experience your research team, so the abduction research team with Kathleen Martin, so I was really involved with the abduction phenomenon. I started to see parallels with the abduction phenomenon with shadow figures and paranormal, making connections with all this other stuff. Um, then as as a director in the national part, information was shared with me uh, in regards to the um, to Jan Harzan, uh, who was the uh, previous um, executive director, and I am uh, I passed that information on to the local authorities, and uh, they followed that investigation and ultimately led to his arrest. So that is why I had to leave MUFON, and then when I left MUFON, I had. Um, an ethical issue. Can I stop you for one second, just, just yeah. real quick? 
Um, can you help our listeners and viewers understand what MUFON is exactly? I know what it is, but can you help? Yeah, us so MUFON is the Mutual UFO Network. Um, they've been around since after Project Blue Book. Um, they are, you can, you can search them, www.mufon.com. Um, they're, they're known, they're the biggest thing, the biggest organization, largest volunteer organization um, uh, with so many people. And unfortunately, uh, they've gotten some bad rap over the last few years because uh, their leader uh, did some bad things. But they're recovering, they're doing well, there's still so many people in there and I, I, I still have close friends with MUFON and all this other stuff too. However, on the business side, you know, MUFON's not really happy with me because, you know, I, I'm Throw a wrench in it. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but like it's it was passed to me and I'm I have a license, so I'm obligated to do so. So I did so. And and it wasn't me. It was the, uh, you know, the California police agency who verified my tip and then caught him. So so that's that's the thing that happened. So while that happened, there was a lot of stress, a lot of a lot of anxiety because I didn't want to leave the organization and I could they couldn't for uh, they couldn't make me leave either. But I was eventually forced out by uh, forced out by a bylaw or whatever. But in the meantime, uh, I needed to cr I needed to know what I wanted to do, which is I ended up creating the Experience Through Support Association as a continuation of my work uh, with emphasis around all these ideas that I had with MUFON um, to do that. Now, since I'm talking about that, years have passed. MUFON is now under new leadership and new new directorship. I'm not quite sure if they're going to recover because of the way the United States is handling uh, the UFO phenomenon now, but uh, the door is completely open for them should they want to re-engage and, and work together. But that's, I completely understand if they don't want to. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think ethically and morally, uh, you uh, you did the right thing. I mean, it's obviously I'm a law and order guy anyway, so if somebody was defrauding people or, you know, misrepresenting and profiting off of that for some reason or however it played out that's what should have been done anyway so i think it did the right thing um yeah i believe i did too it took a lot of a lot of stress to come to that conclusion and it's been a while before i was able to open up about it and but i do want to reinforce that the it's not the organization's fault one bad person for you know people quit bad bosses not uh not bad job oh sorry yeah bad bosses not bad jobs you know uh I would go back to MUFON in a heartbeat if if I knew that there wouldn't be any hidden hidden agendas or, or conflict. But unfortunately, um, I can't. So, well, maybe the possibility will open up. Um, have you ever had an experience yourself? Yes. So that is a part I kind of skipped out in that story. But if you go to the part where I'm leaving MUFON and then I'm starting with the Experience and Support Association, the idea came um, through what I'm calling a psychogenic experience, so of the mind, um, so which is translated to a, a what is believed to be a download experience. So it, it, it meets those those archetypes and those criteria according to what other people have experienced. Me, I'm not quite sure. Um, who the source is, uh, I'm leaning towards government, you know, uh, perhaps, or maybe a creative uh, moment that I had in a, in a, in a spew of trauma because I was uh, upset that I had to leave this organization because the stain was there. And at the same time, I didn't want to abandon the people that needed the service. So I was trying to come up with a solution where I could continue doing what I was doing. And on the winter solstice on December 2018, 
um, I received a, a vision of this geographic ge uh, shape, which is on our website, which you can find under symbols and icons, um, which is called, we call it the Tessa map. And through that download artistic experience, um, I was obsessed about this symbol for many, many, many hours. I had to drive back from Peterborough because I still have family out there from when I was in college. Um, and I put it down on paper and I drew it out digitally. And that was it. That was my experience. That's it. I've never seen UFOs, never seen ghosts, never seen any of that stuff. Just do a lot of research. But this psychogenic kind of experience took me from a path of nuts and bolts and curiosity with the paranormal to actually like introduce me to how consciousness could be. And then it, it just opened up so many possibilities to that. And we're starting to realize that consciousness is the key to connect all of connect the people and connect all, all these phenomenons together. So it was kind of an ex, uh, regardless of the source, cause I'll never, I don't can say I'll never, but I have not enough evidence to, confirm where the source is coming from i just it's just uh, i could believe but I, that's still not you know that's not uh, that's hearsay evidence as well so i know enough that um i can't go back to nuts and bolts and um, i'm an experiencer now and but at the same time i'm a professional so i have to I confidently go back and forth between laws and math and and rules and and then yet i have this weird um experience that that makes me crazy like everybody else so it's a challenge but i'm quite confident talking about it now and it's a thing that happened sometimes life happens and presents something oh. to you that challenges our our belief as we as we uh, we see it and then you'll hear it so i think that uh i personally believe that there is more to this universe than than just us um i think that uh, i would i would hope so because there's a there's a lot out there. <laughs> yeah, just vast. I mean, I mean, well, even with the, the new Webb telescope that's up there, you know, showing the distant galaxies that are here. We did an interesting conversation, my wife and I, where we started looking at some of those pictures and we found artists that were drawing those pictures, similar, almost exact to some of what Webb telescope is picking up now. And you kind of have to think about that. Where did they get that vision? Where did they see that enough to paint that or to draw that like that? Because all of a sudden here it is in this photograph. It's kind of crazy. Um, and that happens a lot. There's a lot of left brain creative artwork that comes that are that, that from artists and drawers all over the place. And, and, and what if those are uh, uh, messages from, from a source uh, music sometimes comes. I'm a musician too. in a, in another life, I, you know, some of my uh, my writing experiences come out of nowhere at the worst times in the middle of the night. All of a sudden, I feel creative. So it's that left brain kind of uh, a thing. But we're tapping into which. So you mentioned in the in the bio, I'm the creator of the ultra spectrum classification system. And the ultra spectrum is the word that I'm using to um, identify this place. So 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 the ultra spectrum to me is like the ether or or the source or whatever. It's just a title or a label that I'm using to um, identify this location in which human beings um, have the ability to tap into to draw information from, whether that's during a sleep state or dreaming. So where do our dreams come from? 
you know, consciousness. Maybe this is life. This is a dream. And when we dream, we're actually alive. We don't know. So, and then when you have psychic abilities, moving things with your mind, where are they pulling that information from? Perhaps this source. When they have an ET experience and they can't take a picture of it, maybe they're seeing it in their mind. So where are they seeing it? Where are they drawing that image from? It's coming from this source. So I call that the ultra spectrum because I study the people and how the phenomenon affects them. And the common denominator is they're all drawing from a similar place. They're just using different methods. They're, they're meditating or using a Ouija board or they're praying uh, or they're just cutting their lawn and an idea comes to them. There is evidence of, of information floating around in this space. And the evidence also shows that we have antennas and we are able to pick up this information. The problem is and I let, this is where the, the law enforcement side comes in, is I'm not quite sure where this information is coming from, and it could be government influence. So there's a risk there. There's a concern um, because it could be. It could be extraterrestrial. And if it is, does the government know about it? And if the government doesn't know about it, then that's a concern. If the government does know about it and they're not talking about us, that's an another concern so i look at i look at this phenomenon i approach this phenomenon um as criminal activity so if anyone is being abducted against their own will that's against the law you know that should be anyway i agree uh, you know if if they are sexually molested by an extraterrestrial um you know that that is that is against the law uh and when i do uh, regression hypnotherapy sometimes we learn that in past life stuff or or further back in childhood that it's uh you know these these um unfortunate events take place with uh, family members and they just decided to mask it with this illusion of extraterrestrial for all their lives because it was easier to deal with so there's a lot of that stuff that kind of happens um you know so so when i approach this when i do my investigations i'm looking i'm not looking to hold anyone accountable but i'm trying to weigh both sides or all sides so i can understand the truth to figure out what's happening in the middle which is why i investigate all the phenomenon separately but then the ultra spectrum is to bring it all together to find that constant between all of it to give that true reading of what really is happening so to compare that to I guess law enforcement would be you have all of your like case studies and all this other field and you're trying to figure out why society is the way that it is and and at the same time trying to give recognition to the government part understanding their perspective understanding the people's perspective understanding the hierarchy in both perspectives because there's middle class lower class and higher class and all of this stuff so that's a whole whole mixed can of worms and then you have these different factions and what seems to bring all these people together or seems to be common is obviously the need for answers um, but it's having these experiences that could be very similar in kind but they're labeled differently which you know for an example the um let me see here the paranormal orb so like if you see an orb in the sky we call the ufo community we just call that a ufo or now a, a uap because they want to separate government machines from um from aerial phenomenon um then you have the paranormal orb who believes it to be spirit uh, and all these other things and then you have um, dust from the skeptics that think it might be something on the lens so all of those beliefs are true but it's different perspectives what's common is that there's aerial activity in the sky 
and it's circular. So we need to look at that to determine the investigation. So, so in the ultraspectrum classification system, it would be labeled aerial activity. activity. It'd be a sensory display because it will take in consideration of it being seen in the mind as well as uh, in the three-dimensional world because we never know. Um, and then it would be subcategory between machine or light, and that's the end of it. So if you want to call it, and it's done that way, so that way the UFO community can call it a UFO, the paranormal community can call it a ghost, the, you know, the religious community can call it an angel and the spirit. Everyone has the ability to call it whatever you want, but we all must agree that it's, it's in the sky and it's aerial activity and we need to investigate further and then understand which person or which organization to contact to get that information. And then we can interpret what it may be afterwards. So once I remove all these labels, I'm starting to realize that some people are ex who think they're having paranormal experiences are experiencing, perhaps experiencing entities from the extraterrestrial side and vice versa. They think that they're ghosts when they're, they share characteristics of, of what people have reported in the extraterrestrial. So even us as a human race are confused about these archetypes and labels because of Hollywood and, and all these other things um, and not realizing that they're connected. And when they're and you don't realize that they're connected, it makes it hard for the experiencer to accept it. And when we work with the experiencer, and I investigate all these little cases in the phenomenon separately, but also with the experiencer and start to timeline it, I'm learning, I'm seeing a pattern of evolution. I'm seeing, um, I guess, a, a contact type event at an early age. Later on, there's beings observed, which, you know, could be extraterrestrial, could be paranormal, who knows, it's just beings are observed. And then then in their uh, early adolescence, uh, teen years, there's some poltergeist phenomenon, which also could be psychogenic, which could be them moving it, not realizing it. They think it's a ghost, but it could be them internally. Then as they get older, they're into Reiki, tarot cards, and then at the end of their life, they're full-blown psychic. So these are all different stages of their lives. And they all have different experiences, but they don't think they don't are they're not concerned about paranormal, but they're concerned about this UFO. But it's all it could be all connected. And when I understand this evolutionary process, so if that's how it's all kind of connected, because if this a this UFO thing happened back in the 40s or the 50s, like everyone thinks, and they have evidence of this technology where they can they can do all these other things then perhaps what we're experiencing now 80 some odd years later is is some sort of um, genetic manipulation um, from some tests that happened many years ago when we're now evolved and now that we're evolved we have the ability to willingly tap into the ultra spectrum and use that but because we're not encouraged to develop those abilities um, we're often considered, you know, spooks or, or like, or, um, not spooks, that's the wrong term to use, uh, the, um, spoofs or, 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 you know, skeptics, you know, skeptics or, you know, conspiracy theorists and yeah, mislabel, mislabeled and so forth. Yeah. I understand that. What a, what a complex, but brilliant approach to investigating all this stuff. I have to commend you for that because that, the way you pieced that together and the way you laid it out from an investigator's perspective, I understood that immensely. I see how all that works together. Um, and I can really appreciate that approach because of my background um, in my mind. That's the way I, I handled cases 
So have you, way, have you looked at the ultra spectrum classification? Have you seen it yet? Or no? I have not looked at the ultra spectrum classification. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to send it to you, but it is on our website. So experience your uh, org and you go to the investigations tab you'll see it under resources it's there um, also on top of that um, I have an evidence scale so which is another challenge that I'm having with these pseudo investigators too because here's the thing with the investigative side is is in my analysis in my research there's a lot of people trying to help the people but there's not a lot of qualified incredible people doing that so there's a lot of risk for injuries and stuff we don't have law enforcement for uh, ufo and paranormal activity which is why i'm trying to at least have that but i can't be i don't need to hero it but at least know that there's somebody in the field that has the background has the qualifications that could take a second look or verify that all this stuff is accurate before you go out to the internet and all these or go out to the paper and do all these other things so in part of that is explaining to the community what evidence uh different layers of evidence and what types of evidence um can be stacked to build your case so in the um journalistic point of view they want demonstrative or documentative evidence where they can have a physical photo or physical audio physical video so they can post it so that way everyone looks at it it goes viral they get their clickbait they get their money and then that video goes out there the documentative evidence or you know with the declassified de uh, documents that can be used to support it so there's a whole bunch of other things and then there's analogical evidence which you can draw which comes from memories which comes from trauma but when you have all these things on its own it's hard for you to prep that case so that way you can translate that into a a specific code that was violated so you can process that in a court system so my approach is is trying to connect collect enough evidence and build a case strong enough that as that should an opportunity to present this to uh, a court system I would be able to at least convince the jury that you know there is something going on and I need assistance with mental health because uh, you know because we need to rule out that as being an equation we need because i've already ruled out all these other things because the evidence shows that these people are experiencing trauma as an effect to not getting the answers the government is not giving us answers or maybe they are and it's just not what they expect and they're not obligated to tell us anything and at the same time if they don't know anything it's not good for them to tell us that either because then we'll overthrow because we don't feel confident about our government's not knowing so there's that illusion that they do know but at the same time they could very well not know and and there's a lot a lot of stuff like that going in so with this evidence part the experiencer it depends on what you're trying to prove so the experiencer has the experience like with my experience i don't need to prove anything i know but I mean, I only need to prove that if, if, if say my experience told me to do some crazy things and I'm using that as my defense in court later on, that's not going to really fly because, and people use that as excuses all the time. God told me to do it or Satan told me to do that. Well, let's bring Satan in here and, and, and you know, let's see what he says. So, so that kind of, that kind of index, but if you're trying to prove this to be real for the entire world you need a lot of different types of evidence and you have to build the case so what i mean by that when you look at my work on the website so experiencesupport.org uh, under investigations tab uh check out the visual evidence database 
which will have a um, list of all the cases I've published so far for 2019 to 2000, no, 18 to 20. I'm still working on 21 and 22 right now to upload. Um, and then that'll kind of give you a generalization of all the all the cases that I've done. You can separate them um, to whatever category you're investigating or you can look at the whole thing. But when you add all the evidence, types of evidence to the same map and as well as a timeline, so there's a timeline on there too because you can see it in chronological order, you start to see um, how these evidence can play on each other. So for example, I'm trying to just pull in this from memory, but somewhere in Moose Jaw, I believe it was Canadian Forces uh, Base in Moose Jaw, had a declassified document that I retrieved that talked about an orb, a bright orange orb in the sky. That alone um, is a good piece of evidence to, to support the idea that something unexplained happened. It's on a military base um, and it was reported by military police. So the, the, the assumption is that, that is a credible report because it comes from a credible source. But at the same time, there's no video, there's no picture, there's no audio, there's nothing traceable to be able to determine what it is. Um, at least that's been provided. Down the road, not too far on the map, you will, you will see some um, experiencer cases where um, the witness had seen orbs in the sky um, and wasn't able to take photographs. Uh, but was able to draw and when they drew sounded or looked like what was being described with this document and then if you further so that that piece of information on its own is a drawing because we don't have a picture and that's not going to be accepted but it gave a clue um, and then if you go further down on the map uh, we might actually be in another province from what i'm seeing in my mind here but there was a picture, a picture of something that looked like an orb. So those three pieces of evidence, three different cases, all perhaps describing the same thing, all of a sudden those three pieces of, of evidence become uh, a case to support the possibility of circular objects floating in the sky. The government doesn't know what it is. Uh, civilians are seeing it years later down the road. Um, and then this person was able to take a picture. So there's so 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 that's another thing that most of these experience uh, investigators and researchers are doing out on the internet they're they're not they're not building their case they're putting out their evidence as an individual base and they're getting ripped apart because they don't have a foundation and that requires time that requires resources that requires money uh, that requires expertise uh, what i'm trying to to push if you will is is the awareness that I have all that and I'm doing all that. And if you have something, then you can submit it and then we can build this database together and then have a stronger case to take and fight whatever battle you need to fight. But at the mean, but at the same time, un, gives me the opportunity to teach people how to investigate. It gives me the opportunity to learn from others who uh, might not have any background that just been doing this for, for many years and picked it up as a hobby and happens to pick up a trick, especially in the PI world. I rely a lot on my confidential informants, you know, and, and if they, they have expertise in these, these certain things. So once we have that, then what do we, what do we do with it? So with the experience support association, the, 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 the goal through the investigations. Now I just, I just represent the investigative side. There is a support side as well. So um, tonight, 
Uh, so today is Wednesday, November 30th, so I'm not quite sure when this goes up, but if it goes up today, um, it, uh, we have what's called Experiencers Anonymous, which is for experiencers to come forward if they wish and share um, their experiences in a comfortable, safe setting. So that would parallel to like an Alcohol Anonymous or uh, NA kind of, kind of type scenario where you're just free to talk about your experiences. Um, and then we also have uh, referrals to regression and to Reiki and to hypnotherapy and all these other things because we don't want the experiencers to live in trauma while we're investigating. And, and so that comes from the law enforcement side where we show up to a scene and even as a security guard, we have to de-escalate. There's trespassing. We need to, you know, then the investigator stuff comes in. We need to take care of the the witness, uh, uh, and then get all the facts, do the investigation before we come to this conclusion. So, so the reason why I need to get all, I want all this information and doing it this way, so I can better understand the support that the this, the experiencers need, the human beings need, so they don't continue to live in fear. They don't continue to live depressed. They don't continue to harm themselves because they're not getting answers. I'm not going to be able to get answers from the government because the government will release whatever they want to release when they want. But it, but in the meantime, my focus is, is making sure that these people um, are not victim to normal things like actual abuse or actual theft or um, trespassing or harassment by men in black because they could be actual people you know uh, or bad PIs if you will so you know that's kind of kind of my my angle here is to police the UFO and paranormal community well I, re I respect that as well as I appreciate that coming from an investigative perspective I think that uh, finding all the facts and collecting all the facts and ensuring that the witness or the victim whichever case it may be, to be taken care of is an admirable thing to do. Most, uh, most when I say this, probably get in trouble. And, and, and what's their de-escalated? So you, I'm sure you can appreciate yeah. this. Coming to a scene and, and they're giving you information in a very hyper state of mind. Yes. Maybe, maybe they're witness to a suicide, witness to something. Who knows? It's, it's drastic. So you're taking that information, you're calming them down. But that's still facts. That's still evidence. But then they calm down and then you wait, they go to the hospital, all these other things. And then the next day you go and you do your investigation, you talk to them. Then you get their statement while they're balanced or at least a little bit better. But then you compare that to what you got at the beginning to see where the middle is, to see what right. the fact is to build your case. So a lot of times, and I mean, a majority of the time in my career with MUFON, the, the, there was no bedside manner. It was just straight back, straight data. What can I use to put on the internet to, to publish our books, to do all this other stuff? There was no care for the experiencers, except for in the abduction research team with mm -hmm. Kathleen Martin. That's why I like to be in there because they provide the compassion, but it was two separate things. Right. None of them bring it together. So the Experiencer Support Association is based on the idea of combining those elements because we need to get the information when the event happened as soon as possible within the first 48, you know, that's, that's a thing. It's not just a TV show. That's a legitimate, that's legitimate, good, yep. legitimate timeline to be working within and then take all this time to build the case and figure it all out, send them for treatment, see if that helps to make sure that they're sane and all these other things. Because if you can prove the credibility of the, of the source, if this ends up in trial, that's the first thing that the defense lawyers do is they try to prove the test, uh, you know, cross-examine or discredit the, uh, the the other side. And things like being under the influence of alcohol 
or or are or being diagnosed with schizophrenia are not legitimate excuses to dismiss a case. Exactly. Those are just parts and information for you to understand. And then as an investigator, it's your job to figure out whether or not this particular um, condition matters to the facts of the case. Well, done, Ryan. I have to say, well done. I mean, it, you know, there's not a lot of other individuals. I mean, we in law enforcement sometimes, you know, I, the department, I work for two different departments. One was a much larger department than a smaller department, but the same thing scoped across is that, you know, we always had to make sure that we remembered that whoever we had seen as a witness or a victim is still a human being first. And that that human being has to be addressed as a human being, you still have to show compassion, you still have to show understanding, you still have to, yes, you have to collect the facts, you have to collect everything that you need to do, especially like you just said, brilliant approach, the way that, you, that you're that you putting this forward. You'd have made a great cop, by the way. <laughs> I, I've, I've been told that, I've been told yeah, that many times. It, and, and, and I I respect the law enforcement, I respect what they're doing too, and I am very grateful to have the freedom that I have because, there's a lot of restrictions and there's a lot of slack, but you know, I, I'm always, I'm always for the people. I'm, I'm actively involved with my community. We, uh, my, my company, which is Blacklight is actively involved with, uh, helping those without housing. You know, like we, we do, right. we do a lot of, a lot of things for, um, for people and where the paranormal and, and my interest in the paranormal and UFO comes in is, is I do believe that there is something happening because I had this experience, but it could be normal. It could be human. And even if the government knows that they, it would be, it wouldn't be advantageous or it wouldn't be smart for them to encourage us to strengthen our minds so we can read people's minds and take over the world because it's something they couldn't prevent. So, you know, but there are some of us figuring that out on our own and we're doing it. And then, you know, as long as we're doing it for good things, course you know um in law enforcement have you ever used a psychic to uh to locate a missing person i personally have not but i do believe in it i have used investigative hypnosis i'm also Mm -hmm. a a, uh, certified as an investigative hypnotist in regard to regressing individuals back to traumatic incidents so i do understand where you come from from that perspective as well i did do that i did not consult a consult a, a psychic during any time period but i do believe in it um, mm-hmm. I know that other individuals, I've spoken with other individuals, I've had conversations with people who have utilized a psychic in regard to that. And I've actually solved cases with the information that was provided. It wasn't always admitted into court, of course. So they had to substantiate other factors in order to get the evidence that was collected, you know, to be, they had to make sure that they did everything by the numbers. So and you all to... need to make sure you investigate the psychic. Exactly. Because yeah. because how did you know that? Sure, that exactly. was a good guess. Are you really psychic? Or were you uh, give me, part yeah, of Give it. me your fingerprints <laughs> and your DNA right now because I need to make yeah. sure um, that you didn't do this. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't the one that left that there. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's... so it's not paranormal anymore to me. It's how long it was paranormal, but now it's normal. It's just, it's just Norman, normal human behavior. And if we can <clears throat> teach the people to evolve their experiences and remove the darkness, remove the negativity in theory, they would start to, to use that energy 
to help heal people. You can use Reiki, you can use re regression hypnotherapy for trauma. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be connected to UFOs or paranormal. It's just, this just, you know, at the same time, this might be what we use to escape from the troubles of the world. At the same time, not recognizing that, you know, we might have these abilities and these gifts that are underdeveloped and, um, and we're evolving. And if we are able to do that, then why not, uh, you know, start a business trying to help other people? Because that's what it's all about. That's what these Reiki and hypno, uh, hypno, uh, hypnosis and yoga yeah, instructors, all that spiritual stuff. They're making money uh, by creating wellness in the workplace. Like it's all part of it. Yeah. And and I don't see anything supernatural um, unless the source is so so intelligent, so divine that that they're interfering outside of this realm that nobody can control it. I'm not seeing any evidence of this secret shadow government and all this other stuff. But at the same time, it still could exist. But I find that very unlikely because um, it'd be very hard to pull off. In all the cases that you have investigated through MUFON and through Tessa, um, have you uh, ever come up with any cases that you felt were unexplained to you? Yes, I have. So, so I have, well, I can't say solved. I've come, I've concluded uh, an, uh, a possible identification, we'll say, for, I would say, 95% of the cases I've done. So I've closed well over 1,200 cases with MUFON alone. I'm almost at 500 cases with Tessa. So I'm almost at 2,000 cases in my career in this of, of me investigating on my own. Um, and 95% of those have led me to um, known explanations and the witnesses agree with it, right? That's the important is, I mean, I can't confirm because I wasn't there, but if the witness agrees with the facts of the case as well and accepts a known explanation for it, then that's, then there's that. And there's still that, that small percentage of things that can't be explained. So when they draw beings that look like lizards, that look like extraterrestrials, is that coming from television? Is that coming from books? Is that coming from the Bible? Because that's in the Bible, you know, um, where is this information coming from? But at the same time, I've ruled out in these circumstances, uh, the credibility of the witness, the credibility of the case, the credibility of all these other things, all the available evidence is in front of me. And I'm looking at a dis description of something that um, does not look normal based on what we're told. And then with this classification system, they would go under beings observed. And then I'm going to start to work with my resident, uh, with uh, Alex Mistretta, which is uh, a very close friend of mine, and he's a cryptozoologist. Um, I recommend talking to him. He's really, he's really, really versed on that. He understands UFOs, former MUFON guy as well, and paranormal guy. But he coined the word para-cryptozoology, para uh, which is also used in the classification system to explain this not-so-normal beings of monsters or whatever they could be. So what we're trying to do is get enough visual data where we can look at these beings, remove the label, and, and try to figure out what these beings have in common. It's what's called a compare and contrast. And when we look at, oh, so I guess in law enforcement, that this would be my test is most wanted. So these images of have you seen these people? 
and a lot of people are seeing similar reptoids and insects and all these other things. Now, do they exist in this reality? I don't know. Having a consciousness experience, it's possible it's in the mind, people seeing it in these dreams, all these other things. But when I look at these people and understand how they got to the experience, you know, there is not a, a, a pattern. You know, some of these people are high-end certified and decorated individuals seeing these beings. There are some people on the low end that, that might be perceived as underprivileged or, uh, or, or disabled or, or all these labels that could be used by the skeptics to attack them for, but seeing the same thing. What makes it, but they're seeing the same thing. Their status doesn't matter in this, in this sense because the investigations were done um, but then now when we have this compare and contrast, how does this person on another side of the world draw the same thing that this person saw on this side of the world or seen on this side of the world? I know as the investigator, they don't know each other. And my question is, you know, what the F is, uh, am I looking at? Because being the investigator, I know that I ruled all these things out. I know that I, that I cross-checked and I asked them to go to the doctors and they did all this other stuff. They went through the hoops and I'm still looking at things. And you multiply that with many, many cases. There's beings out there that these people are seeing. And now are they seeing them in our dreams? Are they seeing it in another dimension? Are they seeing that in this other place? That I can't determine, but the evidence is enough to know that that they believe it's happening they're not the only ones who's experiencing it and there needs to be some sort of explanation or resource provided for those to cope with it so that way they don't live in fear because we don't even know if those on the other side are aware that we're seeing them they might be looking at us like intention that's another thing that's missing with investigations if you look at the paranormal uh shadow figure be the scenario you're in bed you're alone the doors are locked you know that the house is safe you open your eyes and you see these beings standing outside your bed that is terrifying because the immediate thought is intruder inside the house but you don't we don't know often with experiencer cases the intent that's implied with that experience we don't know if they were there as a friendly we don't even know if if they were they know that you can see them until they do something or they respond and then you get confirmation and then that's when we get into that abduction phenomenon so so when we do a um you know like i guess the ouija board phenomenon or scenario you're doing a seance you're intentionally asking for an experience to happen you don't know if the ouija board is moving because of extraterrestrial or paranormal or someone else in the room has this psychic ability that's underdeveloped that they don't know that they have and they really believe and they imagine it to move and the object moved and it's the source inside the room that moved it. And at the same time, you don't know if another place on the other side of the world all of a sudden just experienced paranormal activity because that group thought is sending a message out to this place and we're not knowing where it's going. Another example would be I'm, I'm at the end of my day. I'm having a bad day. I need to pray. Um, I'm, I'm praying to, to source. I'm praying to God. And I'm asking God for the answers to solve my problem. Meanwhile, simultaneously, there's someone on the other side of the world that's meditating and spreading love and light simultaneously at the same time. What's to say that I'm not receiving the positive messages that they're putting out at the same time I'm asking to receive a message from God? And I take that positive and I decide 
you know, to do something with it. So, so, so I there's, I'm not seeing proof of, of any specific being. What I'm seeing is proof that we as human beings have the ability to reach this place, send information, receive information, but because there's so many people working against each other and so closed minded um, that we're not realizing that we're interacting, perhaps interacting with each other on a daily basis. I agree with that. I think that we all, as a as a society, as a human human beings, we all are collectively connected to the universe. We just have to open our minds and be able to accept and, that. And when we're looking at a suspect, like who yeah. is responsible, it's easier to locate a human being than it is for me to locate an extraterrestrial because I can't get into space, you know. But I mean, so when I when I normalize it or I, I apply these human elements to it. There's human involvement, but the, the strange thing is, is there's also evidence of the governments in the past experimenting with said technology and said phenomenon because they knew it existed. So how do we know that they don't have that and they're using it to manipulate us? There's a challenge there because that's also possible. And if they say UFOs exist, that, especially with the push in, in America for disclosure, if they come out and say, yes, UFOs exist, that means aliens exist, that means Bigfoot exists, that means ghosts exist. And that also means the people that believe that what they dreamt was a dream and they weren't actually molested or attacked by aliens is actually true. And so what I'm working on is not for disclosure. I'm understanding disclosure. I'm keeping track of all these other stuff. I'm on I'm on the toes of everything. I just I just posted a declassified secret document from the Department of National Defense before I came on here. Every like it's new. It's fresh off the press. 50 second video that they have about lights in the sky. I mean, it could be nothing. It could be a satellite, but I mean, I'm doing all that other stuff because it's still possible that they're keeping secrets. But at the same time, it's possible that they're not. Right? So 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 what I'm working on is what happens after disclosure. I appreciate and acknowledge that there's people that want those answers and there's a fight for that. That may not be the approach I take, but I'm involved enough to be in the loop. But I'm also analyzing enough to, to anticipate eventually some sort of information with all this, all this adventure and eventually we're going to get an answer from something. What I'm not seeing is any, any mental health support services to assist the people in understanding or living with this new transition. And that's what the Experiential Support Association is, is the foundation of, is to create that environment of where you go to while you're currently experiencing and then, or after we get disclosure or after we get confirmation because police and hospitals are gonna be inundated with people thinking that they may be part of this phenomenon as well when they might not actually be. It might just be well, and you know I, I i agree with you i think you know, especially even here in the united states especially in the united states you know they finally started releasing some information that would say well we can't really explain this we're going to give you a few things that we can't explain we're not going to give you everything but we're going to say yes we know that you're not forgive me for this we know that you're not all stupid or you're not all un, you know you're not you're just uh, gullible we understand uh -huh that you know the things have evolved enough where we can tell you this is unexplained we cannot explain this but on the same hand i also believe that the government does maybe know more than what they say that's the reason we've got and this and if they do my hand 
then can we not just trust that they have our best intentions and the reason why we don't know about it is for uh is because of how we would react well, if you they, compare the, our reaction to the pandemic yeah majority of the people handled that bad very badly and, and if that was extraterrestrials maybe that's a lesson to be like you know what they're not ready for aliens because they can't handle uh, a flu you know, like, yeah. so, you know, hold on a second. So if, if that information is available to the government and they know that, then we can trust that it's handled because they're not farming us. They're not killing us. They're not doing all these things in, 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 in a massive, uh, a massive way. Now it could be some select cases of people that, you know, people go missing all the time. That could be an explanation for that. Who knows, but it's not significantly impacting society to the point that we need the government to tell us. We just want to know. But the truth is, we just want to know why we're having these experiences ourselves. So instead of fighting my them for the mm -hmm. answer, my approach is, is my and the reason why I get these information is because they know that I'm defending them too. Because if there's no evidence uh, to incriminate them, because they also have the opportunity to provide the information so they know damn well what they're who they're giving it to i'm not a media request i'm a private sector right. investigator asking for freedom of information that that is a different ask than a, a journalist who intends to go public about it yeah so they cooperate with me a little bit more and they give me more information because they know my role is to balance the scales this is what they said this is the facts this is connected to this but it doesn't mean that it's government machines it's secret technology but the government is aware of it so if the government is aware of it why are they lying or why are they omitting it it's the why and it's to protect us it's to, because if it is special tech we don't want our russian adversaries to know about it exactly we don't want anyone to know about it but we're seeing it and why are we seeing it because they have to test it they need to use it they need to travel there's more people out there looking there's more mm -hmm. people with cameras but so they're doing secret things and we can trust that. And we're just, they're just going over places they probably shouldn't be and, and we're catching on to it and they're not giving us an answer. So my suggestion to the government would be, you know, stick to your private flight routes uh, or intercept these objects before they come into our airspace because we're observing. We're going to know. I mean, I brought up X-Files earlier to earlier in the uh -huh. conversation. It's just like the X-Files. We just want to know. We just want to know. It's just one of those things. What do you think of, I got to tell you something here when we get done about the X-Files um, yeah. in, in a, a connection to that. Um, what do you think of uh, Project Blue Book and like Hellneck, um, how he separated okay. himself from that and kind of created his own. In fact, I think he... Uh, he even uh, consulted for um, ET and and some other and, and Kufos or whatever is uh, his uh, organization there. Yeah. Um, so what do well here here's here's an interesting fact. So Heineck, so J. J. Allen Heineck is the creator of the um, the classification system, the original classification system. Uh, and then paired with Jacques Vallée, who created um, their combined classification system for the UFO phenomenon, which is what MUFON used. So when I was introduced to that classification system, it was that classification system that I used to create my ultraspectral classification system, which is an enhancement to that classification system. Now, I showed that to Paul Hynek, which is 
J. Allen Hynek's son, and we went through it, and I uh, got the family's blessing to kind of talk about it and do all that as a next generation um, um, classification system. Really cool. I have not been able to speak to Valet about it, but uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'm more on Hynek's side than Valet's side in terms of things, but I do understand Valet and with the uh, inter, uh, inter the ETH, I guess, extraterrestrial um, hypothesis or the uh, interdimensional or interdimensional, whatever, whatever, ITH. Um, so what do I think about Heineken and, and leaving project, a government organization to pursue the uh, interest with the, and focus on the civilians and take care of them? I, I love that. It's inspiration. That's is that, that is why I do what I do. I, I, I followed his line of work quite closely and I may not be an astrophysicist. It may not be an astronomer like he is, and I may not have uh, all the connections that he did at the past, but I understood his classification system. I understood his investigative process uh, and I, and I literally worshiped on that and created this system that I'm using today based on the uh, philosophy of his work. So I'm heavily influenced by Heineck. And instead of talking about it, I'm doing the work as if he did. Um, and fun fact, he, he died um, two months before I was born. And someone, you know, so if you want to look at um, past life and regressions and all this other stuff i'm not saying but i mean hey, re I, often, I, often, I often thought you know why am i interested in this work so much it's an odd coincidence that i learned after the fact but i'm not saying i'm hiding i'm just saying i am there's a neat coincidence to learn uh, uh that uh we're only two months apart from his death and my birth so well sometimes you know we don't get to finish what we want to do yeah. in this life and it needs to be continued so the possibility does exist i believe in that i do it I, all exists either either none of this exists or all of it exists and, and is, reason why I, i'm so drawn into this is the same reason i'm drawn into investigations i love looking at the facts i love solving the case i like figuring out the problems and i'm very good at that and i get paid a lot of money to help a lot of things but in this part this is volunteer this is all uh, a service, but I'm applying those skills because because I've learned so much. But at the same time, I know enough about the subject to know I'm right, but not enough to know if I'm wrong. You know, there's it, that's this a good is, place to be, though. It, it really is because when you start to think about it, because if you felt that you had everything figured out, you would just stop. I get close, and then I'm like, okay, this part of it, but it's exactly. bigger. And once you put it all together, it's just deep down inside it's it's uninformed human beings evolving to become great things without any help without any assist and a lack of support on the mental health side to encourage them to just be being weird to be you know which is not weird anymore it's normal being human. And, and be human and the human being is paranormal but i think it was just well, then you get into the whole rabbit hole of uh, divine influence, you know, star seeds and things like that to enter, you know, like you got to, you know, those there's so many opposing theories. So sticking to facts, 
the evidence shows that that we do emit energy and we do absorb energy energy can be uh, information can be transmuted to energy yep. uh you know electricity and all this other stuff so it's possible for us to send out and receive and if it's possible for us to send out and receive it's possible for them to send out and receive nine times out of ten we assume that is some external force from outer space but what we don't often think about and and, and consider is that it could be us you know i didn't do it it's the first thing that narcissists say you know but maybe they did do it they just don't want to say it it wasn't me i what what wasn't you i you know sorry officer i assumed you were coming here to arrest me it's like oh i just just happened to you know it wasn't me like you know but it was them you know like it uh we do not naturally consider ourselves as being the source and that's due to the many years of societal upheavals and, and, and all the problems we have in the world so and as a law former law enforcement officer you know that you're you're in the middle of the system trying to trying to keep the people safe keep the peace keep them alive you know you know yeah you murdered someone but i understand uh there, there's the criminology right why did you do that you sympathize and you empathize but end of the day you still did it you got to go to jail i'm sorry you know like you know like it's it's tough and, and, look, and I, I i've been lucky enough in my career to have individuals that were felons i arrested that sent me a card afterwards and said thank you for treating me like a human being and i appreciate that even though you didn't you didn't treat me like a felon you treated me like a human being and this allowed me to be able to reflect back on my life. So it's yeah, just, and we just when to... I was in college for policing, I, I majored in criminology and political science. So when I was my, my career path, if I had gone into policing, would have been, uh, you know, detective, high, high end criminology and forensic uh, investigation. So I'm applying those skills now to the UFO community when I, I guess I could go and get paid to do it. But I mean, then it's then then it becomes a job and and but it's not but it is a job it's a it's mission. passion it's a passion it's not a hobby it's now a mission i've i've i've, I've worked go. really hard i've created uh, a budget line to be able to afford to fund this project for myself so i can do this for a living now that i'm able to do that i'm looking for resources and help and professional partners that um that don't have to worry about the bills just direct me in the right way but at the same time don't trick me because i'm an investigator i can figure out who you figure are out. yeah we can figure <laughs> it out so i've also run into a lot of challenges where um even though i exposed uh, an issue with mufon at the time there's this lack of trust because because people feel that oh well if you work with ryan then ryan's an investigator he's going to pull my record and the speeding ticket i got 10 years ago is you know going to be on the internet or things like that too so so i'm kind of in this lone wolf scenario where i have no choice but to do this on my own i don't expect to have any help but at the same time i really don't know if what I'm doing matters as much as I believe it does with the amount of time and effort I put into that. I'm not getting validation, I'm not getting confirmation. And I really hope that when I help these individuals, I'm leading them in a, in a positive path because, you know, there's a lot. Well, gonna... we, we as individuals want, want answers. We all, we, we have an innate uh, desire 
to understand. That's why we all want to know the future. That's why we want to read our horoscope every day. What's going to happen to me today? That's why we contact, pay the psychic 20 bucks or 50 bucks to say, you know, am I going to meet the one that I love? Am I going to get the job I want? We all want to know. Yeah, all those methods are risky because it's interpretation. You're going to pay for like a horoscope, even if we share the same sign, we're going to take from that two different meanings based on our It's all subjective. It's all subjective. And to charge a tarot card, or like tarot card reading is subjective. I'm okay with that. I have challenges with those mediums that guaranteed a connection with the afterlife and you're paying for that. I would much rather them charge for the service and the time and then have it on the table that we may connect, we may not. Right. But there are a lot of people out there that guaranteed psychic connection, pay me millions of dollars. Those are people if you, if you, people. Yeah, if you can guarantee it, then you should, you know, you should A, B, you know, giving but it to the world. In between or, you or and B. I, that's yeah. the reason I, there are individuals that um, profess to be these, I'll talk to the dead, I'll talk to your dead loved one, but it's going to cost you $200. What is that $200 paying for? Is it paying exactly. for your time in, in or you're getting going, a result? And they're going, no, I guarantee it. I, I will guarantee I'll talk to your loved one or I won't guarantee it. So if you, I think, what was it? Seven years ago. Um, and I'm really going to be bad about this. Sylvia? Sylvia Brown? Sylvia Brown. Yeah. My wife wanted to go to a Sylvia Brown event. And we paid $75 a piece because that's where she wanted to go. You got to make, had to make my wife happy, right? We paid the 150 bucks. We got up to this area that said, more likely she'll choose you if you pay for this area. I'm showing this down below the camera, but you know, if you pay $35, you get the seats in the back and she may not call on you. So they pre-select So she pre-selects. That's interesting. Okay. And then that would mean it's stacked deck. So you under, you understand what psychographics are? I do. Uh, yeah. So so when you purchase a ticket, you provide information, and what you're paying for is not just for Sylvia Brown, but for the host and the expenses and all that other stuff. So it's acceptable to pay for that. They might get a small right. percentage of that, but when you have thousands and thousands of people, there might be it might be three thousand dollars she gets for the day. But when you purchase the ticket. You provide your email address, your home number, all that information, and then they take it to the marketing team, and then they look at your Facebook, they look at all this other stuff, and they find all this stuff beforehand, and then they will pick you because they know where you're sitting, and then they will say all these things, and you won't believe it. How did they know that? It's marketing. It's not magic. It's Mm -hmm. so, so, So when I test these mediums, and I haven't been able to find one that's willing to follow my... Uh, uh, trust me enough to do it, but it's, it's, you know, uh, I'll give an example. This Matt Fraser, Matt Fraser is a real, I, I do enjoy Matt Fraser, uh, in terms of listening to him as a, as a, as a high town, uh, psychic. Um, and my wife has been involved, but we've, we've paid for a lot of these virtual things and we never got picked, even though they're intimate. I paid the extra to try to figure it all out. Um, but then when, I did an experiment where I gave more information because I also didn't give enough because I didn't want them to be to have anything to read. So then at the same time, maybe they we didn't get picked because we didn't give them anything to read. I made it. 
I made a fake, uh, not with Matt Frazier, but a, but different, a different, different scenario. I made a fake profile that had a bunch of things, and I made an account, and I had a reading um, done by that, impersonating this fake person, and they told me all this life that I had made up. So I can prove that in this particular case that that happens. Now, does that happen all the time? I, I agree with that. There are instances, like I Should said, people I, get I do, paid for their time. Yes. Yeah, right? I, but, I do know that they're. The, I was just going to say, as a final thought, as the consumer, the one who's making the purchase, pay attention to what you're paying for. And if you're guaranteed results, don't buy that. But if you're guaranteed an opportunity to be picked and 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 or uh, the chance, it's like the lottery, right? Yeah. At least be happy with your purchase because it's your money you work hard for it and for those who are on assistance and are on a fixed income or limited income you know to, to have to pay 250 dollars for uh to find out well, that's ridiculous and then with the experience support association the reason why we're, we're we charge for some of our services and raising money and doing all these other things is for those who actually need it and if they can't afford it then we'll cover half or or, or all of it we'll do whatever so there's the charitable side of the you take that in consideration which is a good thing let's yeah right let's talk about that a little bit how somebody can get a hold of you at the tessa organization and or otherwise and listen to your podcast yeah so um Excuse me, I've been drinking pop. I got a bit That's of a okay. burp. I'm, I've been I've been breathing in the landscapers cutting all these dead trees and stuff out front. So Oh, you got a lot of sawdust. Uh, okay, so you can find me in many different places. I'm representing the Experience Support Association. So that so that's what I want you to go first. So go to experienceyoursupport.org. It's on it's on the screen here. Um, from there, you'll see a tab for investigators, for uh, experiencers, a whole bunch of things that's going on. Um, as for me, individual, including the podcast, which I'll leave for the end, me individually, uh, you can find me on facebook.com slash heed the world, where I post uh, all my stuff, all my findings uh, on there on a daily basis. I'm very interactive uh, on that as well. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, if, you, if need be, that's where the disclosure stuff happens. Um, the podcast airs every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but tomorrow, or so Thursday, I don't know, when does this air? Uh, uh, this won't air for a couple of weeks. Okay, so when you see this, <laughs> go back to the channel, you'll see our final season finale, which is uh, with Richard Dolan. Um, he is our season um, finale closer for season four. I uh, have a good history with Richard Dolan. He's the one who gave me the opportunity um, to do what I do. He plucked me out of MUFON and encouraged me to do this venture too. So there's a bunch of side stuff with that. Um, the, but then the new season will start in January, I think January 12th for season five. Um, and we just started a new podcast called uh, Carencia, which is starting into, in 2023 as well. So you can find that on our YouTube, which is youtube.com forward slash the Experience Your Support Association, or just, just Google uh, test uh, the experience support association and YouTube and you'll find it subscribe to all that other stuff and that's T-E-S-A uh, yeah T-E-S-A it'd be better if you put the experience your support or experience your support YouTube will come up like whatever keywords you want to use whatever you remember right experience your support association uh, is the thing so if you go to the website you'll find all the other people like CC who runs the experience your anonymous group um, we're going to have a list of our professional partners, a list of some of our private resources that are going to be there too. Um, as an experiencer too, and an investigator, I do provide free resources on the website 
the little um, things I use for my investigation as a quick cheat, uh, quick, uh, cheat sheet for me uh, to use while I'm on the go. But at the same time, it's available. It's always being updated. And for the experiencers, there's a list of worksheets that, um, from um, uh, treatment programs such as CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, and uh, and DBT, um, a bunch of a bunch of worksheets that are used to process the information. So that way, when you're experiencing an event and you're exhibiting anxiety and stress and all these other things, you can work on it. And and we're basically um, trying our best to at least walk that fine line where we're able to direct you to resources that are clinically approved until we're able to officially make it known where we can actually hire a clinician to provide actual mental health support that but to find one that is able to practice and accept the possibility of extraterrestrial and all this other stuff is very rare but i do have a lot of private clients that I could refer you to if you make a report on the investigation side, so submit a report that are willing to do that through referral. Um, and they're, they're banking on this being successful so that way they can they can come public too. So it's it's there's a network, there's a private network of professionals that wanna help, but we, we have these challenges where um, they could lose their job. Another benefit for me being a private investigator, owning my own company, is I'm my own boss, and uh, no one ain't gonna fire me. Um, if I was a police officer doing this, we might have the SIU looking in that. We might, who knows? There might be some ethical things. Um, well, I personally, I think that you're providing an opportunity for people to get some help, to get some understanding, to have some compassion, to have some camaraderie, and say I'm not alone. Motto or motto is we believe you, you're not alone. The whole selling point is that we want you to feel included. We want you to feel a part of this. I may not agree with what you think has happened, has happened. That's my job in the investigation side. But once I acknowledge that you need support, my team will support you in understanding it. Because if I happen to conclude that it was a light refraction or something like that, and you really wanted it to be God, I need a sensitive bedside team that's going to communicate that to you yeah. so that way you understand it and you don't lose your mind because you were really hoping because there's hope and belief. So I'm I'm not the first person you want to talk to. I'm the last person you want on this case. But at the same time, I built a team because I understand that you need you need that. That comes from the idea of uh, victim crisis, right? Whenever something happens exactly. uh, and, and like a suicide or something, a sudden death, you know, this volunteer organization comes and takes care of the of the um, family when the police and all the emergency services leave. Don't just leave them by themselves. So that's essentially what the, the support team is there for. I'm well, the guy. That's, and that's admirable. I think that you, yeah, you, you provide an opportunity for people to get help and to, again, we're not alone kind of atmosphere, which I appreciate very much. And I'll make sure that everything... Um, and every opportunity to connect with you will be in the show notes as well. So people can have an easy way just to follow a link. Perfect. So if, if you can't remember, if you're driving and you're listening to this, don't worry, it'll be in the show notes. You can just click on it. Um, Ryan, this is one more thing before you go. So do you have any advice for anybody that has, as an experiencer that you might share with us? Words of wisdom? Yeah. Advice for experiencers. So I, I guess since the theme 
of today's discussion was more so on the investigative side, less on the support side. Um, my my advice would be to emphasize on the support. So so if you haven't experienced, the worst thing for you, I believe, is to keep it inside. Um, and I think when you're deciding on who you should report it to, you should report it to people that you trust. But you need to understand or at least know what it is you want in return. Are you just reporting it for uh, for a campfire story or do you want results and all these other things? And at the same time, understand that my approach is my approach based on my experience and my learning and all this other stuff. It may not be the best approach. If I'm the only thing that you have come across to, um, I would prefer you to reach out to other resources that are available. Use MUFON if you think that they're qualified to get you their answers because they have a different type of uh, um, training and a different type of perspective and you as the experiencer can take the analysis of what MUFON does, the analysis of what TESA does, the analysis of, of your neighbor or whatever, whoever else has looked at it and you get all these different views and perspectives and you sit down and look at that and decide how you're going to live the rest of your life because it's your experience. And the reason why you want that experience to be investigated is because you want answers. But who am I to tell you what happened? It's your experience. If you believe it to be angels, if you believe it to be divine and is encouraging you to hold the door open for people, you don't need that investigated. I don't need to do that either. Save me some time. But, you know, um, the, the, I guess the keynote is, is remember that I wouldn't be here and everybody else that is in this phenomenon would not be here if you didn't report, if you didn't share. And there, and the point of the Experience Support Association is to give back to those who have done that because I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have anything to talk about if you guys didn't trust me with that stuff. And we have some people that are on that high horse that are charging a lot of money right now that forget that we put them there. Um, so I guess... Long story short, as an experiencer, do your research, use as many resources and get as many perspectives as you can to come to a conclusion for yourself, accept it, and if it leads you into a positive direction, then do it. And if anyone judges you, um, you know, deal with that with anything in this world and, and hang out with Tessa and all the resources we have and feel like a community or anything else uh, um, that is needed because there's a lot of people that don't have this. So as long or rather you have it and not need it than need it than not have it. Brilliant, brilliant words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. It's communication. I think the, the thing I got out of that, the key <clears throat> to that is communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't, you can't get any help if you don't communicate. That's true. And I can't help you if you don't tell me what it wants. Exactly. 100%. Um, yeah. I will ask this. Uh, I know that you're based in Canada. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, yes, it is an online thing. You are accessible to, I'm heard internationally, so you are accessible to anyone from from outside the uh, Canada and the United States? Yeah, so so the interesting thing about my investigative process, which I think you would also appreciate, is, is, is I don't need to physically go to these locations. I just need to know what evidence is available and how to retrieve it. So if it's safe to do so, I'll use the experience here to collect the evidence. So if I need daytime photos to see what you were looking at in the sky, I don't need to pay hop on a plane and fly to the UK to take the pictures myself. I just tell you how to take the pictures. And if you do that, and it takes the experiencer through that process, and if we come up and I am able to identify it, 
it's easier for that experiencer to accept um, a, an identified uh, disposition uh, because they were part of the process. Right. Right. So that's how I can do that internationally. If I'm going to go to a physical location, it's not a place that's haunted. It's not a place that has setting. It's it's a hot spot that has a group of things there. And I'm inviting people of like minded that have this ability to make contact. And I want them to move these objects because I don't think it's a haunted location. I just think it's it's people who have psychic abilities going to these marketed places and all with this high consciousness accidentally moving objects on their own, not realizing they're doing it themselves. That makes a lot of sense. It's, yeah. it's everywhere. It's it's here. It's now. It's there. It's everywhere. I can meditate and go go anywhere in the world. You know. It's, Absolutely. I've done been there, done that. I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom, your journey, and uh, how you got to where you're at, and what you provide to uh, this world. So thank you and, for doing that. I I hope that you continue to do it. If there's anything that I can do to help promote that, I am here to do that for you. Well, I appreciate that. And I just want to kind of say thank you to you who prepped me before the show to inform me um, of your previous service as law enforcement, because I was indexing on that. And I was able to talk in an element that I don't often talk in because I am not used to talking to uh, other officers. So so this is this this is a very good podcast for me. Really appreciate it. Thank you again very much. I, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I hope I can call you friend. And uh, sure. I, would, I would love to have a conversation down the road with you again. Brother uh, in arms. And, yeah, brother in arms. There you go. Uh, I will be in touch. And again, thank you for being on One More Thing Before You Go. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.